Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. It's our part two of our X-Men special. Uh, we are Last week we covered uh, the X-Men trilogy, the first ones, and today we are going to be covering the next three films, which are the... The good X-Men trilogy. I don't know which one you're referring to as the good one there. <laughs> uh, in the context... Uh, we'll see, but uh, so today we're dealing with what we might call the prequels, although it's not fully prequel, but you know what I mean. So the uh, Fassbender McAvoy era. If you want to go back to last week's episode to do the others first, that's fine. If we also have a Wolverine episode. We do. We did. We covered all the Wolverine films. Just and a Deadpool character. episode. We also have a Deadpool episode. Yes, we have episodes on many, many things. In fact. <laughs> And you should go. Well, yes, and but check those them out are connected at least. So today we're going to jump straight into X Men First Class. So X Men Three was we talked about it last time, but it was a big success, but cost an awful lot of money. The, the series was clearly looking for different routes it could take now that its main cast were out of contract and whatnot. So three years after X Men Three, there was X Men Origins Wolverine, mm. and the idea was that we were going to get a lot of different prequel movies yeah. about the the X Men characters. Yeah, and uh, X Men First Class. Was one of these, which I, I believe, mm. was just positioned as it'll be a spin-off, rather than yes. it'll be the the like the relaunch, the reboot of our entire franchise, which is what it ultimately became. But it did come out of an X Men Origins Magneto. Yes, um, well, I, it was I think just going to be Magneto. There were original. I think both of these projects were floating around simultaneously. There was a thing called X-Men First Class that was in development, which I think was just about establishing of the X-Men school and, like, first class, you know? But there was also, as you say, X-Men Origins Magneto, which was mm. going to be championing the anti-aging, uh, the de-aging Snapchat filter effect from um, the opening scene of X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, and they were going to just heavily... Well, yeah, digitally de-age Ian McKellen. For the whole film? For the whole film, yeah. It was, oh, wow, was going to be this like revolutionary bit of special effects work. I, that, I was really... Because huh. I think they wanted to do loads of stuff with him in, um, you know, d- d- dealing with the war, basically. Um, mm. Like I don't mm. know if he was just going to be doing his Nazi hunting stuff, which oh, there's a scene of that in, in this, but the impression I got was it was going to be a kind of young Magneto mm. going around killing Nazis, which would have been... Interesting. Interesting. And we we do get a bit of that here. You can very much see where Mm. his origin story comes through the strongest. Mm. I don't know if that's just because he's off on his own for quite a bit of the Yeah, I don't know quite how the development worked, but I think basically X-Men Origins Wolverine was received so badly that they said, right, we're going to have to change direction a bit here, Mm. figure out what we're doing. Well, the strongest thing about X-Men is that it is a team. And yeah. then as soon as you like break that up and start just positioning mm. people on themselves, it, I, I don't think it has the same effect. Well, Logan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I, don't quite know how it happened, but it, it basically seems like at some point they merged the two scripts they had together into one film and just yeah. called it X-Men First Class. Yeah, so we got we got First Class as, as it... Um, exists now which is just a, a straight up prequel really isn't it it's mm-hmm. and i i think there's often a lot of confusion about how these films all fit together a lot of people don't seem to quite get that it's 
not a flat out reboot that it it is just straight up this is a prequel set in the same continuity and then and then they later do time shenanigans yeah, to make yeah, sure they yeah. don't have to work towards the same end yeah so and there's also nice. bad continuity that further confuses things yeah uh, professor x and mystique are uh, childhood friends yeah. this was a big thing for me in terms of watching my overall kind of criticism um of this film was Definitely, I feel like they're doing things with the characters that are not there in the, the characters that we know. Charles and Mystique being like brother and sister since they were kids, that was never in those first films. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's the that's the big one. But there's a few other bits and pieces here that just don't quite tally. Yeah, mm. and I, I've seen people complain about this stuff. For whatever reason, I just don't care. I think I have no sense of loyalty towards the original trilogy, so I'm just happy to completely retcon anything and go with what the prequels want to do. They also, mm. speaking of Mystique particularly, last week we talked about how she's quite a passive character, she's just sort of like, she's essentially the, you know, the main, she's the odd job, you know, she's the main, what's the word I'm looking for, goon? Henchman. Henchman, that's the word I'm looking for. She's like the bad guy's main henchman, <laughs> but she's uh, but they they establish much more character with her. Uh, they hired an actor to play it, which was um, a good choice. Mm. Mm, yes, a uh, 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 an up and coming Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I do have to say, did not like Jennifer Lawrence in this. Didn't think she was very good. In fact, mm. I thought the acting on the whole was quite poor. I've seen, mm. and I know Jennifer yeah. Lawrence is good. I've seen her do very good acting. I just think it wasn't that well directed from an acting point of view. And 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 Jennifer Lawrence was particularly poor, I thought, actually. I think this film, yeah, directing and acting, it, it feels like a film that largely takes the approach of, I've hired excellent actors, and now I can kind of just leave them to do the acting, and I'll focus on what I'm doing. I'd say excellent actors and January Jones. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to single her out specifically at the start of this because she is a, a, quite possibly one of the worst <laughs> performers I've ever seen in A-list uh, movies. She I, is I know you. Why bad. do you hate her so much? Because I remember, I remember, I think I went to see this with you at uni, Calvin, and I remember yes, you yes, going on did. about how much you hate January Jones. Then I don't understand how anyone can think that January Jones's performance here is anything other than appalling. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's particularly great, but I think she's fine in this film. Oh. Wasn't there something like she was sleeping with Matthew Vaughn at the time? I'm well, sure you... who knows whether that's true or not, but she did get pregnant around this time and have a baby and, and no, it Matthew has, it's never been made publicly... <laughs> it's never been uh, publicly made clear uh, who fathered the baby. She did eat the placenta, that part. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then ever since then, her work seems to have not um, got bigger. So, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Alan sounds quite down on the acting. I think one of the main reasons that I like this film is I, I love the cast, and I I think they all do a pretty decent job. I, I agree they do feel like they're kind of maybe not being that well directed, but I love James McAvoy. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're McAvoy, you're Fassbender, you can't go too far wrong, really. But, yeah, nothing stand out here. I think this was the first film that really cemented that I definitely really like James McAvoy. Because, mm. you know, to, to, to take on a Patrick Stewart role... 
and not just annoy me every time you're on screen because you're not Patrick Stewart is quite remarkable, really. Well, so. I think one of the wise moves they make is, you know, the fact that he is younger and he's a lot more energetic and and sort of lively. I think they make yeah. a distinct character change, but one that works yeah. with what you see later on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that he's just a younger man. He's got a bit of, he's got a bit of spunk about him. Mm. Mm. And and very similarly, Michael Fassbender. This was the film that made me really notice who he was and pay attention. Mm. I, I'd seen Inglorious Bastards at this point. I'd seen, I think, a few things, but he was very much just an actor. I didn't know in those other films. Whereas this mm. time, it was like, oh, this guy's uh, interesting. And then um, there's Rose Byrne. Now, again, nothing particularly against her as an actor. Nothing particularly for her either. But didn't that character just seem? Out of place, like a, a, yeah. a sort of CIA. She's a CIA agent who gets drawn in with this group of mutants. She's a human. She doesn't have any powers or anything. And then she's just sort of milling around in the way all the time. And I just think, what's the point? Yeah, I, I can see why they wrote her in as a kind of, you know, this is the human connection to these mutants. This is, you know, she's fine. Ro- Rose Burns, someone who I have to look up on IMDb every time she appears in a film because <laughs> yes. it's like I know I've seen her and stuff, but I can't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big the big get, obviously, as a villain is Jason Fleming um, as Azazel, <laughs> uh, who everybody wanted to see again. Uh, no, the big get is Kevin Bacon as our main villain, the principal villain. Not a bad actor. A lot of charisma. Yeah, I'm not sure this part really works. Um, I think this is absolutely jamming a square head... Uh, jamming a square peg into a round hole. But I think he kind of makes it work. It's okay. I, like it. I think there's a, there's an element of him being like a bit of a charismatic bastard and, and, and that works, but I never quite buy the, you know, Nazi, I'm just about to shoot your mother kind of side. It's not, he never quite, it's like, like a, you can see Christoph Waltz doing that, for example, is a, an obvious mm. uh, go-to example for that. Yeah. But I don't know, you never quite got the sinister well, I, side. I don't think you're meant to think he's a Nazi particularly. He's like an opportunist, isn't yeah. he? He's, he's fallen in amongst the Nazis as a, a means of conducting further mutant research. He, he just, he seems like he's looking out for himself. And yeah. So I, I know what you're saying, but I, I think it works. I really like him. He's he feels like a yeah. proper like Bond villain, especially with yeah. his like evil base. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too cartoonish. He 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 is quite cartoonish, but I think the whole aesthetic of this film is cartoonish and, and in a good way. You know, it, it's set in the sixties and it embraces that kind of campy nineteen sixties vibe, and I, I I like it for that. It 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 just brings a lot of energy to the proceedings i think it's it's yeah mhm um the other main cast member is nicholas holt oh yeah oh um, yeah yeah as a young kelsey grammer not sure i buy that but yeah it's fine. weird decision there yeah. but um i like nicholas holt yeah i i guess you've got matthew vaughn directing so that's why there's so many like british cast in fact they might have even filmed a lot of this in britain mm. that was certainly the reason why um Stan Lee isn't in this, because they shot it far away. <laughs> um, and I guess, yeah, his insurance to travel is probably quite I mean, a lot. May- maybe it's just with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I thought they just, like, got a day with Stan Lee and filmed, like, five cameos. And... <laughs> 
Like, ge- genuinely, I think James Gunn filmed about three Stan Lee cameos one day on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy or yeah, something. Just, like, brilliant. bash them out, and then they just cut them mm. in wherever. So mm. Maybe that was when he was becoming a bit older He's and less old. able to walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to speak of Nicholas Holt and the character of the Beast. Now, we've established mm. this character as Kelsey Grammer, but we don't know much about him, and I gather this is much more the backstory. But the character... Um, I'm not. I'm not that happy. We'll come back to what they do with him and Mystique. But as a character in general, he becomes the kind of magic bullet of what technology do you need? What problem do you need solved? Yeah, he can do that. Give him twenty minutes, and it just it's a little bit too easy to to just solve any problem that they have with him. But and it, because they just go, oh yeah, well he's a genius, isn't he? He can do anything. That's yeah. his superpower, though, isn't it? I know, but it's a bit too like literally like walk into a room and he's like, oh. Hang on, I've just rigged this up and then we can fly it to LA. Yeah, <laughs> Magneto can make metal fly around and yeah. he, he can just like do technology. So. He's mutated is to that be a, good at it. Is that a different mutation to having big feet? Yeah. Okay. Two different he's mutations. One of, he's one of those two mutation mutants. Yeah, well. Anyway, I think I think they they just over overplayed that hand. They made it, just made it a bit too easy to do everything, and uh, yeah. So I would have liked a bit more uh, re- um, nuance with all that sort of stuff. I guess mm. we, we 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 start with um, establishing Charles and Mystique are, are mates. We didn't even know that Mystique has some sort of aging thing that means she's much older than she looks. Uh, we had no indication of that. Um, well, we get the indication that she can, you know, shapeshift and all that. So I guess I'd make myself look younger if I was um, her. <laughs> uh, she, I don't know, just by chance breaks into Charles's mansion, mm-hmm. and then he comes down and is like, "Oh, it annoyed me this scene." I just saw, <laughs> just like, "Fuck off, Charles, and your posh boy generosity." Oh, you can come <laughs> and live with me because I'm lonely. My mother doesn't love me. Fuck off! <laughs> so I don't know how yeah. that I don't know how that played out. If she was hiding there, or if they if he was just like, "Oh, mom, I want to adopt this girl. Is that all right?" And they're like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> Why has she got an American accent? Don't know. Don't bother explaining <laughs> that. It was a different time, forties, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it must have been like war and shit. <laughs> she was a refugee. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly from America. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the uh, the children are annoying, but um, in one of the more direct callbacks to the previous trilogy, we revisit the um, Nazi concentration camp scene yeah. in the first film. My problem with the Kevin Bacon character is that it is just too straightforward cartoon villain, kind of right. evil bad guy, as opposed to what we've seen in the previous films where Magneto is positioned as the bad guy. Mm. Um and that was just a little bit disappointing. It was a little bit weak. Uh, and obviously in this film, it means that Charles and Magneto work together and they're kind of still pals at this point until sort of the end. We, and we see that journey of Magneto being kind of pushed yeah. further and further away, which I like. Well, this I like is it. I, I, I think it works purely because you, you're still getting that very nuanced stuff with Magneto. I, I, I think it would almost be too much to have another sympathetic villain who you're kind of going on this... Yeah. Exploration of their morals and ethics yeah, yeah. with, um, so I, I I I like that he's a nice, simple. Hey, I'm just out for me, guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I have to say I agree with that, even though I didn't particularly care for the character much. <laughs> but I, I also liked how cold they got with Magneto. And when Magneto at the end ultimately kills the Kevin Bacon bad guy, it's just a very cold, slow murder. It's, it's, oh, I love they, that scene. They don't, they don't try and dress it up. They don't try and make it, oh, well, like, I could have helped him, but I didn't, and I let him die. Kind of, like, he murders him quite deliberately. You know what I don't like with that scene is the logistics of it. This is the bit where he's uh, putting the coin through Kevin Bacon's head, right? Yeah, because yeah. what, what's... I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like there's any resistance from the skull, his skull, or any. It just passes through very easily. Yeah, but that's what makes it so cringy because it just slowly goes through at the same pace. Like it's yeah, I think it's really well done. Yeah, and I love that it's not a big dramatic death either. It's just like mm. he's dead. that's it. He's dead. Yeah, I really liked that bit actually. I liked the whole Magneto journey. Um, mm. In general, and and Charles goes sort of hand in hand with that for for a large yeah. part, uh, and and seeing you know this back and forth between them that for year decades uh, in terms of like you know they are two sides of the same coin. They are friends in many ways, but they kind of come at it from different ways, and and you know they have different ways of dealing with their problems. So mm. yeah, really mm. liked all that. Mm. Can we talk about some of the other mutant characters that are brought in in this film? Yeah. In terms of the new character they bring in to create what is essentially the first class. But that, it does mean we get a kind of fun montage scene in which Charles, love, like, Charles and Magneto go romping around the 60s. This is a weakness of mine. <laughs> love it. I love assembling a team. Mm. It's one of my most... I don't know what it is about it, but I just... I love it. It's very I, stylish. I love like the, the bit where they're like on the bed, and the mm. and that's when the girl, ta- you know, has the wings and everything. It's oh, it's so nice. It works very nicely here. Uh, they get get through it quickly, establish these characters. Also, a lovely little Wolverine cameo. Oh, oh yes. it's beautiful. Yeah, which works. Yeah, beautifully. Yeah, um, and uh, they don't try and make too much of it. It's nice. That's it. it it's just it's the mm. perfect scene stealing, funny moment. Completely in character. Done. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It works. It's not like... It, 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 it's almost answering a question of, you know, if they hadn't done that, people on the internet would probably be going, well, how come he didn't locate Wolverine? He was alive at that time. Mm. So it, it's great. I love it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they create this team. We it, it, Because we do it quite quickly in the, in the middle of everything else, they, they never quite established as solid characters on their own. Mm. Uh, like Hank is, that's not a problem. Mystique is much more established. But then you've got all these others who uh, mm. in, and, and end up being cannon fodder for the most part. Uh, yeah. It, but they, I don't know, because they do do quite a lot of scene setting with them. And then they have another montage where they're all having to learn and, and train. Mm. Uh, and we see all their powers and stuff. So most of these ca- people don't come back for the next one. We should point out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I think that's what I mean. I think they just kind of a bit easily forgotten. No real loss. Yeah, mm. but that's it. Why is it no real loss? Should we have had stronger characters? But then, how many strong yeah. characters can you have in one film and then try and do justice to them all? Mm. Yeah, because certainly at the time it seemed like, oh well, yeah, these are going to be in the next one, and then yeah. this is the yeah. new team, and then maybe they'll hand over the baton to like Storm and Cyclops and that. But, I think that yeah. was the um, presumably what the first draft, you know, the, the the version they were working on originally when this wasn't merged with a Magneto film. Mm. Mm. 
I mean, we do get one of them coming back, actually. Um, Lucas Till as Alex Summers um, yes. ends up being the father of Scott Summers, Cyclops. Father? Uh, I, I got a brother from that. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. He's father in the comics. Uh, oh uh, right, I was gonna say I didn't get I didn't get that. And then I guess yeah, the actor just hadn't aged enough. We'll come back to that in the next film. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Um, big big plot element that I'd like to talk about mm. is that Hank McCoy, the Beast, uh, he has weird feet, uh, and that is kind of the only physical manifestation of his mutation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's not happy about it. And he fancies Mystique, uh, and they and they have a bit of a connection over their freakishness. And mm-hmm. he wants to use her powers to to you know help camouflage their mutations and help them fit into society, which is you know fair enough. Mm. Although we establish that he's a character who has fit into society perfectly well, and nobody knew, so not quite sure about mm. that. But this whole thing it's it's, it's a whole subplot. And it's and it's kind of trying to get back to that ori- uh, that original story of like, should you be ashamed of it? Should you try and hide it? Worst case scenario is he has to leave his socks on while he has sex. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like what they were trying to do with this. I just think it's handled badly. And again, having the two of those those two characters try and connect is too much because we already have Mystique and Magneto. We know they have a connection yeah. but later on. Yeah, Mystique and Charles yeah, I, are now have this major connection. And so then to try and connect it to Hank as well, it's just too much. Yeah, it does seem like, yeah. But, okay, so what happens is he creates a serum that uh, is going to change them uh, into kind of looking human. But I just don't like the whole concept. They're talking about how, oh, you know, it'll change our physical appearance, but it won't change our powers. It won't affect our powers. It's like, well... Your power is being able to grab hold of things with your feet. If it if they look like normal feet, you're not going to be able to do that. It doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that, that annoyed me as well. Mm. And her power is her power is literally changing her appearance. So if you make it so that she can't like what it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Is uh, I didn't like it. Wasn't handled well at all. I like what they were trying to mm. do with it. It was just badly dealt with. It, it felt too similar to um, the cure from yeah, the yeah, previous yeah, yeah, film yeah. to me as well. That's it. Um, yeah, like they're rehashing plot points. We to just to jump back to Hank. He takes the potion and mm. it, it backfires, and it actually sort of triggers more beastliness in him in some way. And and then we mm. have this kind of weird beast uh, character that we we know and love. This feels very thrown away at the end that he's turned mm. into a beast. Yeah, and that- this is. And this is going to have a major impact on his life. And then in the next film, hey, he's I, basically... I, I was making fun of you for your feet, but even I think this looks cool. No, you don't. <laughs> he's yeah. a fluffy blue... Like, now he looks mental. What are you talking about? Plus, it's like, it's fine when you're in the suit and fighting criminals or whatever, but you've still got to go down to the shop and buy your groceries. Exactly. Like, that's, it's going to have a big impact on his life. And you've not even got... You've not even got Fraser Crane's voice to like make it work mm-hmm. yet. So, <laughs> oh, speaking of voice, while he's got the beast to make up on, it seems pretty apparent that he couldn't speak because <laughs> all his dialogue <laughs> is badly ADR'd. <laughs> and yeah. I would go one further. I don't think it's Nicholas Holt's voice doing the dubbing. I think you know they oh. had like three lines they needed to, du- oh, to I dub. Don't know that. And they couldn't get him in. They just got someone else. I'm convinced that's just someone doing a Nicholas Holt type voice. Uh, I can't imagine I, that was I, the case. Yeah, I think it's Nicholas Holt. Mm, I don't know. Go back and listen to it again. We'll see. It didn't attack the cells. 
and enhance them. It didn't work. That that whole storyline, I felt it could do more. That'd be a great character, like that, a single film of this character who's kind of half hiding and he's very smart, and then accidentally does well, kind of accidentally does this thing that makes him a freak mm. in in the world's mm. eyes, and it means he has to. What does he retreat into his work, and that makes him more productive in some way, and it means he's more committed yeah. to the mutant cause because he can't hide from it. Would that be that an interesting nice storyline? Touch, but yeah. but then in the in the next film, in the sequel, he's kind of not beast, and he can pull it out when he wants, like Incredible Hulk, and yeah, so that, that was a bit. We never get an explanation of that. It's, yeah. To, to should we jump to the sort of big finish? Oh uh, yeah, well the, oh, yeah, the Cuban missiles. The big takeaway here is Charles gets shot accidentally and uh, severs his yep. spinal column, which Paralyzed. we all we kind of knew that was coming. Setting him up for the for the films where he's in a wheelchair, yeah. except for the scene where Patrick Stewart's an old man walking around. He also wasn't in X Men Origins Wolverine when he made the cameo, but it's. Just, I mean, he he's walking in the next film, so maybe he went back to that serum or yeah. something else happened off screen. Which is I, which is a very messy element in the next film that almost feels like they were like, oh shit, yeah, we fucked up there, didn't we? We need to kind of. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that actually as a continuity area. Yeah. But yeah, so there's you know this moment between. Him and Magneto. Magneto actually feels genuinely bad that he's hurt him and all this. And fair enough. What I didn't like about this whole scene was Mystique fucking off with Magneto. I didn't mm. feel that had been justified in the what we'd seen. I thought we were going that way, but to do it after he's just been shot, it's like you wouldn't just walk away at that point, would you? It's, yeah, mm. but they didn't know if they were going to get to make a first class two. So I think they felt like, right, we have to leave it so this can go directly into X-Men. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't quite work for me, that bit. That's another bit. But... Yeah, I know what you mean. So anyway, uh, we've we've touched on all the elements that I was annoyed about, so that's good. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to talk about? No. I like it. And I, I, like I think that's lot. maybe more down to the writing team of Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like it. I like it significantly more than any of the original trilogy. Mm. Actually, not significantly more. I like it more than any of the original trilogy. Yeah, because you were quite positive about the uh, previous trilogy. Yeah, it's only only a notch up from X-Men 2 for me. But Mm. But I do like it more than them. So yeah, I give this an 8 out of 10. Uh yeah no I'm I'm gonna say the same 8 out of 10. It's um pretty good romp. Hmm. Alan. Well, I I found it, you know, as I've kind of been moaning about quite a few things, it just didn't quite connect for me. It was perfectly entertaining, but yeah, just lacking in certain areas. So um, I gave it a six. Hmm. So worse than the last stand. Yeah, (laughs) Mr. Alan. (laughs) Alan Tearing. That's correct. Alan Alan and I have the opposite opinion of everyone else Tearing there again. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So, of course, Alan will hate uh, what they followed this film up with. Why? Is that? Is this the loved one? Days of Future Past. It's the most financially successful, apart from Deadpool, if you're counting that. Well, let's just, let's just say straight up, what a fantastic concept to, to, to put mm. Wolverine back in time. Uh, the, my first note here was, you know, the opening was like, oh, whoa, okay. Where are we going with this? This is some very yeah. bold new opening. <laughs> We're going. Everything about Days of Future Past is such a yeah bold 
decisions being made, um, mm. and they're just embracing them, which I think mm. says a lot about where the super superhero landscape had gone in the 15 mm, years. Well, th- well, that's exactly it, because after First Class, we, of course, had The Avengers, which was, I believe, yes. the biggest superhero movie ever, and a huge like triumph for Marvel mm. and what they were doing there, like assembling that. So team-ups were what you know, I guess the execs thought people wanted, and the X-Men are already a team, so how do you go one step up? Well, you have the old team and the new team come back. Mm. As well as fixing any niggling little continuity any things, because now you can say... Yeah, that's it. You, <laughs> now you, you can say that they're in a new timeline. That's it. You do you do the Star Trek reboot thing as well, um, mm-hmm. which had happened quite recently. Um, it, mm. Yeah, it was a whole load of studio execs emulating things that had worked, which is normally a very bad way to approach making a film like this but it comes Mm. together here and i think that's largely because it just kind of naturally fits the days of future past comic arc which is one of the most highly regarded x-men stories i believe in the comics Mm. so it was just a very natural fit they do of course bring back brian singer um, mm-hmm. who had obviously made peace with the people over at Fox since falling out with them after going to make Superman. I think Superman Returns flopping probably had a lot to do with yeah. that as well. Like, oh, please have me back. <laughs> Let me cast young, attractive men. There, there was a wave of allegations made against Brian Singer around the time of this film's release, but they, they settled quietly outside of court, so... Uh... You know how there's, like, the male gaze, which is a, a term about yes. cinematography? Is there such a thing as the gaze gaze? <laughs> like, in these Brian Singer films, there is a lot of... I think it's more prominent in the next one, Days of Future Past, but there are some bits in here. I'm like, oh, Do you know what, interesting. Can, can we talk about that, as soon as you brought it up? Because I was going to mention this. Mm. And I was going to mention it in the next film. Because just to throw ahead, in the next film, we see uh, Magneto married with a child. Mm. And I was genuinely, I hadn't seen that film before, and I genuinely was like, Magneto isn't gay? I think I, that mm. hadn't occurred to me that he was straight. <laughs> um, mm. Because, I mean, Ian McKellen, I guess he is gay, but he doesn't, like, play it gay. But, it, you know, Magneto just comes across gay. Magneto and Charles have a great homoerotic thing going on. Wolverine mm. and, and um, uh, Cyclops have a real homoerotic thing going on, even though they're fighting over a woman. It still feels very much like mm. they they want to fuck each other all the time. And mm. you know, that was in the first films. Like, oh yeah, maybe that's it's a gay director, and it's just that's helping it come through somehow. I don't know. There, <laughs> but there's also a lot of um, a lot of casting decisions seem to be driven by like, well, this guy's like a. A male. Basically, there's a lot of January Joneses, but like male January Joneses <laughs> that slip into the one these that Brian sticks Singer out films. To me, and we've, we haven't talked about him, but a guy called Daniel Kudmore plays uh, Colossus, who mm. is the guy who turns metal. Yeah. And he first appears in X2, and he did come back in The Last Stand, but he's back here as well. Yeah. He strikes me as, oh, you like having this big, muscly, attractive guy on set, don't you? Take your shirt uh, He never has anything to do. He just turns up. <laughs> but did, So how did you guys feel about that in terms of, even perhaps in the original trilogy, did you get a whole... I mean, obviously there's a whole gay metaphor thing going on anyway, so yeah, I thought it was I, deliberate. I, I, but I was going to say, I think mm. it feels like part and parcel of that. So I think thematically it kind of works, but I, do, I don't think that's intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I, I think it is just built into the DNA of the series, and it's kind of... Mm. 
gone away at this point, I think. Um, but yeah, certainly with Brian Singer directing, and then you've got Ian McKellen already, and then yeah, I, I, I think it's there. Well, even even the actors, I was quite shocked to find out Hugh Jackman is straight. Like, I, yeah. he's been married oh, for years. Oh, he loves musical and... theatre. Exactly, yeah. And he's, I think that's what know. he's doing right now. He's, like, touring around, you know, music halls, <laughs> singing, you know, uh, Songs Broadway from the Greatest songs. Showman, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, right, yeah. But he, yeah, bit gay. Uh, what were we talking about before we went off on the uh, into this whole gay yeah, sorry, vibe business? Yeah, sorry, that was my... Um, <laughs> we were talking about how the old team came back to get... Came back. Uh, Brian Singer came back. Yeah. Which I never thought would happen. Like, I'm a big fan of the original trilogy, and when they announced that, oh, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, mm. um, they're all coming back for this one. Yeah, I, I was so excited. Yeah, like, I was. Cause... What, Halle Berry? <laughs> well, yeah, actually. And I, I, I know that a big part of this is because I kind of grew up, you know, some of my formative years were watching those X-Men films and uh, it it did I did get a bit of a childhood kick out of seeing those people come back. I thought you actively disliked Halle Berry in those original films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't like every member of my family, but I still Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, yeah. No, I still I, go I, home I, at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's she's best here. Her hair's finally all right in this one. <laughs> Even though she doesn't have much to do, she was supposed to have a bigger part, but then she got pregnant. So um, uh, her and Brian Singer didn't get along, reportedly. She was probably like, "Look, I'm I'm sick of you raping those kids. <laughs> will, you, will you stop it for fuck's sake? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to learn my lines. I can just hear crying children next door. I'm sick of it." I think it was more that, you know, especially during that time, she was like, oh, I, d- I don't need to be a supporting player in this ensemble piece. I can go and be Catwoman, you know, in that, in that big franchise. Just like to make it clear that there's there's nothing funny about child rape. <laughs> and the fact that we were laughing at it. Just like, <laughs> you were laughing at it. I wanted to say, there is an interesting bit, in because knowing that she couldn't have the, you know, the part had to be pared down because she was having a child, she gets killed in this film quite gratuitously by this robot stabbing her, like, through the belly. Mm-hmm. I did wonder if that mm. was a bit of a Brian Singer, fuck you, Halle Berry. <laughs> fuck you and your child, I hope you have an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- this does have a feel of a film where... There's an undercurrent of everyone's had a bit of humility beaten into them. Because <laughs> you've yeah, got the Wolverine solo films haven't been going quite exactly, so well. Exactly, the Wolverine solo films haven't have, the solo didn't work. Uh, Catwoman and the James Bond exactly. spin-off she was supposed to be in didn't work. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Brian Singer's yeah. back from his not particularly successful outside of X Men career. But um, th- this is, of course, like I say, I think it's one of the quintessential X Men comics um story mm. arcs and it's easy to see why because it's just a really fucking great fun story with time travel oh, and yeah. dystopian futures and oh it's mm. great i love mm. it yeah yeah i really really love it uh, mm. i watched it, it actually last night um in preparation for this and, yeah so the, there are the, these two very distinct parts of the film uh, in, in the in the near future, and then in the seventies. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's it's basically like a brief bookend either side of the main film. It's not like a film mm. of two halves. It's no, no, no. But uh, but also they keep pulling back to it, and it, you know it's yeah. always relevant. It's it's necessary. It, it doesn't feel like a bookend well. It's at all. it's very um. It's it's very weird time travel rules that they've got going here. 
and they do quite a nice job with them because they they it's like a weird metaphysical somewhere in time kind of set of rules where they are sending the consciousness of a character back through their body mm. so it, so you can't go back before you were born i really like it i love that as a concept and and the fact that you can be kind of psychologically linked with your past self i'm I can go with that. That that makes a lot more sense than you're physically traveling back in time. Yeah, it's a really nice idea. And again, it's such a l- lovely, natural fit for this franchise because mm. Hugh Jackman, you know, Wolverine, we've established is he's been alive a long time. So and he mm. doesn't age very <laughs> very quickly. So you just have Hugh Jackman playing himself in the past. It's great. I love it. Mm. And then it, yeah, it also, you know, sets the Sets the stage for the future of this universe being whatever the hell they want to do with it as well, and yeah. And all the old cast live happily ever after. Yeah, And also you get um, some nice bits of tension with, you know, well, this is basically happening in real time. It's not like a time travel thing where you send him back and that's your involvement done. Kitty Pride has to sit there the whole time he's back in time which puts a really nice ticking clock on it, because it means they've only got a few... Uh, well, a matter of hours, really, isn't it? Um, so it, it just... It all works so nicely, <laughs> basically. Yeah. It's, it's such a great premise set up for this film. I love mm. it. Who's, um, whose film do you think this is? Because I, I think it's very much similar to the previous one. It's like young Charles, uh, young Eric, young Mystique. But... You know, the marketing was very much Hugh Jackman, X-Men, Days of Future Past, and, you know, he's the biggest person on the poster and whatnot, but he is very much a supporting player here. Mm. Well, I I would say that this is this feels like a continuation of this story. It doesn't need that central yeah. character. What, mm. what I will say is that Charles has the best sort of character arc here, and if anything, I would have liked mm. to have seen them make more of it as a central plot, in which it's his his life crisis, you know, and him having to accept his powers and embrace them and <laughs> lose his legs for them basically but yeah. mm. it really hell it really bridges that gap between young charles and the very placid yeah. Yeah, peaceful yeah, yeah. tolerant charles that we know very uh, very uh, pensive and thoughtful older man um, and mm. it's beautiful i think it works really well here like i say if anything i would like to have focused on it a bit more mm. yeah so i mean we, we've got all the cast members that we love basically coming back and, and doing really good work even even Anna Paquin's had her role massively paired back, so she's not too uh, <laughs> egregious. Here. Well, do you guys know what the rogue cut is? Well, I don't know about this. Why don't you tell me? Okay, well, yeah, let's get into it now, because um, it's, it's an alternate cut of the movie, um, which was put out because Anna Paquin had a much bigger role. And, uh, in fact, the Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and Iceman had much bigger roles. Um, the so cut just, itself... just to be clear, the one I saw, she's basically not in it until right at the end when Wolverine yeah. wakes up and he sees yeah. her across the hallway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest change in the Rogue cut is that uh, there's a bit of a little action sequence involving the future characters in the middle of the film. Oh. And so uh, Kitty Pride is, co- is slashed by Wolverine as she is in the mm-hmm. theatrical cut. But instead of just, like, carrying on as they do, um, Iceman, I think it's Iceman and Magneto, come up with the idea to go and rescue Rogue. And then she will absorb Kitty's power and then she will take over from her because Kitty's basically dying. So Makes they sense, yeah. 
Um, and Rogue is being held in the old X-Mansion. She's down in the Cerebro facility, and they're doing the experiments on her and stuff. And so Charles pilots the plane, and Magneto and Iceman go into the mansion to get her out. And in the process, Iceman is actually killed. So the scenes later on, he isn't in anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which is qu- quite quite a big thing. Like, I watched both versions for this. I watched the theatrical one last night. Uh, and it, it does make some significant changes to yeah, that scenes sounds, in the ending. That sounds quite a big deal. But I love it because it get, it, it has the old cast in it more. Like Ian McKellen gets in an action sequence. I can also see how that is something you could just take out wholesale if yeah. the film's running too long. Though, yeah. And I was going to say, pacing is the only thing I could see that affecting in a bad way. So how, how does it work overall? Well... I mean, I love it, but that I I find it hard to be objective um, about that because I just mm. love seeing those characters, go, you know, again in in more scenes. the th- The main thing is that we've established that the Sentinels in the future are this terrifying thing that will hunt you down and kill you if they find you. There's no escaping them. All you can do is run. But these extra scenes in the middle of the film kind of make kind of. Uh, uh, detract from those stakes a bit because mm. it's like, oh well, actually they can just jet off to the other side of yeah. the world, like they go from you know China to yeah. New York, and then they break into the facility and then escape. And Iceman is killed, like it does have consequences, but it makes it seem like, oh well, you kind of got through that all right. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, oh, I really want to watch it. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. If you can hunt it down, I don't know how easy or difficult it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then obviously all the future scenes then for the ending are changed because Anna Paquin's there doing it instead of yeah uh, Kitty Pride and Iceman isn't there either. So I'm just trying to think of any uh, standout scenes to talk about. Uh, I love all of the action scenes, like mm. everything. Like yeah. I love the one in the Paris Accord when uh, the Magneto fires a bullet at Mystique and then he curves mm, it outside yeah. the window. It gets her mm-hmm. in the leg and then he uses that later to drag it, drag her to him. That's all great. I love him picking up the stadium and then using that to form a barrier around the White House. Well, there, there, there is a standout scene. The Quicksilver bit? Yeah, same year as Age of Ultron. Uh, we got two oh, versions of this character in two different films, mm. unrelated. Quicksilver, played by the guy out of American Horror Story. What's his name, Kevin? Oh, uh, damn it, I forgot. <laughs> what is it? One sec, let me have a look. Um... Uh, Evan, Evan Peters. Peters. Yeah. Evan Peters. But yeah, uh, this version of Quicksilver, I, 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 as a Marvel Cinematic Universe fanboy, I'll, I'll be the first to throw my hands up and say this is by far the superior version of the character put on screen. Um, mm-hmm. Kick-Ass in, in Age of Ultron was just annoying. That's interesting that this guy is in Kick-Ass, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a weird sort of coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. maybe Matthew Vaughn recommended him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yet here he's just a really fun character, you know, a real injection of of just life into into the film. You know, he, if the team in first class had been made up of characters like him, then maybe you know the sequel would have been the new team going off and doing their mm, their thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and anyway, there there is one notable standout scene, which is when mm-hmm. he he goes um, uh, does a load of super speed shenanigans and it all goes slow motion and we watch it set to some nice music about time yeah uh i really liked that scene Mm. i thought it worked really nicely it kind of jumped out from the rest of the film but it still managed to work do you want to know the one thing i don't like with it 
Uh, and this is me being okay. very much a stickler for nonsense. Logic, logic, yeah. logic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing I don't like about that scene and the uh, the the repeat of this scene in the next in the film, next film yeah. um, is that it's all in slow motion and Quicksilver's kind of walking at normal speed, but then it'll still go like zip, zip, and like zip off like Sonic the Hedgehog and become a blur within the slow motion. Well, then he's going extra fast. I know, but I just. I would like it. I think the scene would be even better if he was just like walking around at like pretty casual pace. Mm. But I do, I love what they do here. It's not enough to stop it working for me. It'd be fine as if have the little moments where he's zipping, the everything else speeds up slightly as well. That Yeah, that would be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Just so mm. we know we're just watching, we're just having mm. a little passage of time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but no, I love it. It's just, it, it, that's, that is pure like, cinematic joy that is the kind of mm, that's the mm. sort of thing you go to a, a film for isn't it just yeah yeah uh so he comes in essentially they use him to get magneto out of some weird uh prison because and this is the story we get that magneto killed jfk <laughs> <laughs> now when they when they said that i was like that's that's a bit too real isn't it what's that what's going yeah. on there and obviously ultimately we find out that he wasn't he was trying to save him but he was but then they go one step further, and then it's like, why were you trying to save him? He was one of us. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, that's, yeah. I like it. Bit <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they went with it, but I like yeah. it. Yeah. While we're speaking about Magneto, there was one bit I didn't like uh, in terms of what he does, and that is when he takes a railway like sleeper, or the, the metal railway rail, and uses it to take over the Sentinel robots by mm. basically turning it into very, I guess, very fine metal strands that get into the wiring of the robot or something. Yeah. That bit... Firstly, I'm not quite sure how that works, straight mm. up. Secondly, we've never seen him do that kind of intricate manipulation of metal, and it was such a big step that I feel like if you're going to introduce that, you need to build up to it slightly. Um, yeah. So I didn't like that, and I felt like it was thrown away in a kind of, well, yeah, of course you can do that kind of way. It's it, it's clunky because it feels like he is like actually hacked into the yeah. robots and he is controlling them. But I think the idea is more that he's just like given them like a metallic skeleton. That's what that I took it as. Yeah, I, I took it like he's using them as puppets, like he's just kind of physically moving them. Mm. As, but then mm. th- that would require such a. I know, you know that, if, if he yeah, is you know manipulating it with his mind, he's already like off built you know taking up a stadium and yeah, whatever. Yeah, the so, mental. Yeah, like well, it's juggling like, he'd be doing. You could even get away with yeah. that if you saw him struggling or he gets distracted by something, so he can't control this. But it just yeah. feels like it's thrown away. Yeah, I agree. Kind of yeah. A, yeah. But yeah. It, and those Sentinel robots, by the way. Mm. Mm. Don't they just feel far, far, far too advanced for the time period this film is set in? Yeah, but... Well, yeah. Talking about the time period, actually, why is this set in the 70s? I, uh, love, I, think... I love that it's set in the 70s, but what what possessed them to go, right, the previous film was set in the 60s, so this is set 10 years later, but no one will have aged 10 years. <laughs> well, it gets even worse in the next Well, I know, I know, I'm leading to that. But yeah, yeah. what, what I, was I, the thought process? I guess 60s into 70s, I mean, you can just about get away with it for a 10-year jump that no one's aged 10 years. Like, that's mm. fine. But like after mm. that, it's a bit... 
Oh yeah, I I think it is purely just because it's a different visual aesthetic. Um, yeah, different. Clothes. I mean, I love it. it. I love the seventies vibe. But yeah. yeah, but it is sort of like yeah. I mean, it becomes problematic in the next one, and then I think that Dark Phoenix is set in the nineties. Yeah, so it's it's uh, there's a whole sort of time slip thing going on because, uh, but because they root it in history, they it's difficult to get away with. You know that. Magneto has to be what twelve years old in the early forties, um, mm. and and that is immediate because Ma- Ian McKellen isn't that old, so it's not it doesn't work immediately. Well, that, that's something that mm. is going to be very interesting to see how the Marvel Cinematic Universe works with it when they inevitably fold the X Men into it. Now that Disney's bought Fox out, which I'm, we'll probably talk about more in a minute, but mm. is is Magneto just a bit? Too will that make him too old now if he's got his you know backstory and and mm-hmm. but yeah that's a good point yeah yeah well I mean they get away with it with the likes of Wolverine and Mystique but mm. we'll see uh, do we have anything more to say about Days of Future Past because that's probably a good segue to talking about Apocalypse uh... I um I I love it that's really all I've got to say I just think it's mm-hmm. it's great it's it's just the culmination of everything that works about this franchise for me, plus a load of other stuff that I like on top of it. Uh, well, I mentioned in the last one that uh, X2 was certainly one of my favourite superhero films, if not my favourite. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is actually my favourite uh, superhero film, specifically oh. The Rogue Cut. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, j- just like, yeah, it, it appeals to my childhood nostalgia for these older characters and i think it's just a great story so many good action sequences i think all the action sequences are pretty faultless um i would give the theatrical cut a nine and then the road cut a ten Wow. <laughs> and it's got Kelsey Grammer in it. He pops up at the end, which is great. We didn't really talk about that, but yeah. I like that it gave a happy ending to all of my old favourites from the first three movies. Like, Jean Grey's alive, Cyclops is there. Yeah. It's nice. I think, for me, this was missing something. It was a character thing. I think the, the, the original X-Men, it just has a magic that you can't quite put together again. And the char- the actors, the way the characters interact just... It's not quite the same. I think there's too much history now. I think I'm trying to do too much with it, and I'm just perhaps suffering a little fatigue. But basically, I enjoyed it. It was fine, but it didn't blow me away by any means. Uh, so hmm. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Ooh. Lower than uh. the third film. <laughs> Alan, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, what about you, Sol? I, I love it. It's by far and away my favourite of the franchise. Um mm. Nine out of ten for me. Hmm. So there was a little teaser at the end of the credits of the last one. Oh, yes! Another blue person. Uh, this one in Egypt, building <laughs> pyramids. Yeah, that was a bad decision, wasn't it? Hmm. Because mm. was that meant to be Apocalypse? I believe so. But then they just recast him? Oh, yeah. Well, you're not going to get Oscar Isaac in for... Yeah, but it was, it was just it was a very different makeup job as well, you know? I mean, it's just a throwaway little thing at the end credits, and these aren't films that are that bothered about post-credit stingers, so, like, fine, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like an odd decision to even put it there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, so Apocalypse, Brian Singer came yeah. back. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, probably his last 
X-Men film, I would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think... think he'll ever be <laughs> making another one of these. Yeah, uh, so this one is uh, standout because it reintroduces Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Storm, who were some of the biggest X-Men. Yeah, in ways that don't... <laughs> I mean, we've established the timeline's a fucking mess in this film, and there's no mm. sense of continuity. And... They no longer have to uh, stick with the continuity as such from the original trilogy. I know, but there's, it, there's a difference. It, there's, you know, like, Star Trek did this, where they were like, right, well, we've changed the timeline, anything can happen. And then they somehow thought that meant that it could affect stuff before the thing in time, mm-hmm. so that... Khan changes from a uh, Ricardo Mantaman to a Mexican Benedict Cumberbatch mm. <laughs> with like a different backstory from the nineties. Uh, yeah, I just and the, I don't know. There's just a sense in this film of would that have changed this that much? Yeah. One of the questions I had was about Angel because there's a character with angel wings that I is that the same character that we've already seen in that? Yeah. Or was, is that supposed mm, to be yeah. the same Angel? In which case, the age is all wrong and it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, is that meant to be, we've changed the timeline so somehow this guy got born <laughs> at a different time in a different place? And Or it's like, you know, Angel's, you know, a code name and it's yeah. passed on from mutant to mutant. Uh, yeah, I'd rather go with that. <laughs> yeah. That guy is definitely Brian Singer's gay gaze um, coming through. Yep. Like, like he is really. He has far too many glamorous shots showing off his body and uh, for the amount of stuff that the character actually does. <laughs> and I, I thought it was interesting that actor also reappears in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, uh, he's one of the main one of the actors, band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this film opens uh, in ancient Egypt. Again, another very bold, different opening. Love mm. it. Yeah. Mm. I absolutely. I I want. I just want a whole film of that. <laughs> I want a whole film set in like ancient Egypt or or ancient Greece or I want like Asterix and Obelix, but they're mutants. <laughs> And I, I love I love the opening of this film. It's so great. It's like, right, that's there's this mad thing, but it does sort of fit within this world as it's been established. It's very believable. It's mm. you know, it, it's like the JFK assassination stuff ramped up to eleven. It's like, right, mm. who built the pyramids? Hey, oh mutants. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so I'm disappointed that the film doesn't spend more time there, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Because we do spend most of the time in the 1980s. So, yes. every, so Jennifer Lawrence should be like 50 now. Uh, yeah, but sh- they've established Mystique doesn't age at a normal rate, haven't they? True, true. So I can yeah. I can deal with that one. But mm. um, not so much the youthful, not very Patrick Stewart-y looking James McAvoy. Mm. <laughs> um, and the youthful, not very Ian McKellen-y looking Michael Fassbender. Mm. And the youthful, not very Kelsey Grammer-looking Nicholas Holt. <laughs> though I suppose he's got a bit of uh, Mystique's like makeup in him now. Is uh, yeah, I guess so. So that that could yeah. what ha- sort of maybe justify that. Mm. But no, it just it doesn't quite. Uh, you know, uh, Moira McTaggart uh, mm. hasn't aged <laughs> very much yeah, to yeah, say yeah. she's not a mutant. Yeah, um, and also while we're on it, oh ding dong. Oh hello. <laughs> what ding dong? Oh, hello, lads. Oh, God. 
You're talking about my part, Moira McTaggart. There's been a mother. So, speaking of people who have aged very well, Sean. <laughs> Mr. Connery, you know, how, are you, Moira, how are you? Moira McTaggart is Scottish in the comic books. And then classic bit of Hollywood whitewashing. They only go and turn into a fucking American in the fucking <laughs> films. Yes. Um, yeah, you would never play someone of a different um, nationality, would you, Mr. Connery? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm Japanese, three and three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. You know you know that, that Patreon shite you lads been doing? Yes. I'm here, I've got a bag bag full of names. Oh. Got to rattle these off. We've got new Patreons. Yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> so, Calvin, you're not here every week, so you might not know, but... Uh, Japanese Bond is the curator of our uh, Patreon uh, oh, is he account. Now? Yeah, oh, that's, that's we, 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 yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we, well, we, we had, had to, to give delegate to do, like, the, the jobs. There's too much yeah. going on, so yeah, we got him to look after the Patreon. Um, uh, so he just pops in every now and then to tell us when we've got new new subscribers. Oh, fabulous! All right, we've got Harry. Harry, Harry Morris. Harry that's Morris. a good, good Scottish sounding name, if you ask me. <laughs> is it? He's not Scottish. I don't know. <laughs> don't know what to tell well, you. About. What what is he? What is he? He's southern. He's a southerner. He's yeah, but what's his what's his English. dad? What's, what's his dad? I don't know. What's his ma? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know anything about him. <laughs> he's a, he's a drifter. All right. Well, I reckon there's a bit of Scotch in there back somewhere. We'll lay claim to anything. That's that's fine. <laughs> so Harry's been listening since right from day one. He's he's OG. Is Harry? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I've seen oh. that name pop up a few times. OG OG listener, yeah. podcast listener. Oh, well, talking about OG listeners starting from day one, we've got a, a Judy Big Nails here. Yeah, good, beautiful Scottish name. Who's that? Who's that? Friend of the show. Why is she, why is she spending money on this shite? She, <laughs> like, for fuck's sake, lads, you you can't just let her have this for you guys. I know, no, hell. we can't. We, we can't. You let one in, they'll all want in. No <laughs> exceptions. Well, on that note, we've got we've got Christopher Hammond, <laughs> friend of the show, Christopher Hammond. And someone else who's been on the show, yeah. That's another good, good strong Scottish name there as well, Hammond. <laughs> Is that Scottish? Which episode did Chris do with us? He did, uh, he did Justice League, I believe. Justice League, oh, yeah, okay. Justice League, superhero team-ups, you guys, that's all you fucking talk about. Yeah, you can go back to Justice League, you'll hear Chris Hammond talking about that. You can listen in next week, you'll hear Judy uh, talk about Men in Black. Oh, aye, oh, aye. A woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a this is a good, strong uh, Scottish name here for you, lads. Uh, our new subscriber, Edinburgh Bond. Edinburgh That's Bond. A Scottish- Edinburgh Bond. Edinburgh Bond. It's getting very specific. That's as Scottish as I come, that is. Thank that you very is. much, Edinburgh Bond. <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. Thank you very much, everyone, so far. But uh, special thanks to him, because, you know, mm. got to keep it in the family. <laughs> and uh, last but very much not least, a big special hearty thank you to uh, Louis, or is it Louis? Louis. I don't know. He could be Fre- he could be French. <laughs> I think he's Scottish. I think he's Louis. <laughs> Lou. Lou. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. Big thanks to everyone for your 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 patron your patron your patron <laughs> lads. What is it? Patronage. Patronage. But put patronage. Pa- patronage in this case. Aye. That's it. Mm. Patreon. 
So you like, like, if you like, if you guys are listening to this shite, if you're thinking, oh, I'd like them to uh, rattle my name off on the show. <laughs> but also, it's not just that. You can you can listen to like bonus episodes and shite. It used to be just the mini shows where they do like a 15 minute little uh, bit chatting about films. But the mini shows you know, tend to be about half an hour. It's, it's all right. Yeah, I know they, they've been getting out of hand. <laughs> yeah, we need to start yeah. diminishing things. Yeah. Right? Well, that's it. The last two diminished shows have just been full-blown bonus episodes. You did yeah. Avengers Endgame, gave it a full episode. That was like an hour and a bit. A full, what, how long was that? Full detailed breakdown of Avengers Endgame, yeah. Yeah, you just did a full flipping episode on the Patreon, you. And uh, you, you did Jordan Peele's Ush film as well. Uh, what was it called? Ush. Ush. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jordan Peele's Ush. Uh, yeah, we... <laughs> We went to see that film, and uh, it's a very interesting film, lots to talk about, and we ended up talking about it for ages, so we, we kind of made it into a full episode. Hey. Uh, and that's out there. So there you go. That's out so yeah, the, bonus the episodes, diminishodes, uh, bonus content, all shorts, we just drop it on there, and it's only a dollar a month, unless you want to be kind. Some of these guys, they've been chucking us $2, $2.50, very, very kind of them, chucking mm. us a bit extra like that. It does help keep the lights on, because, uh, you know... I, I I've got to work out of my uh, out of my basement. I've not got a proper office, <laughs> and it's very damp down there because it is in Scotland. Even though I am Japanese, <laughs> so you know you know these things. I thought you lived in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and uh, a lot of special uh, special someone here. I believe has his own Patreon. <laughs> Are you talking to me? <laughs> Oh, hey, it's the OG Bond fan himself, Mr. Calvin Dation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can head over to my Patreon page uh, just by searching Calvin Dyson on there. Uh, oh, by the way, ours is patreon.com forward slash dim returns. Because we haven't actually mentioned yeah, mine's that. forward slash Calvin Dyson. <laughs> Calvin Dyson. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll let myself out. You guys, what are you talking about? Mutants. Yes, X-Men Apocalypse. What about that James McAvoy? Is he doing it Scotch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah he's yeah, Scotland, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's grand, that's grand. It's nice to have a bit of representation, you know. Anyway, I forgot, I'm not actually Scottish, am I? I'm Japanese. So, my favourite X-Men film is The Wolverine, obviously, where uh, <laughs> some samurais, which I'm a big fan of. I love a, a good samurai, samurai swords, and uh, yeah. his claws. It's like he's got three samurai swords built into each hand. Thanks for dropping by. <laughs> All right, see you, lads. <laughs> yeah, see you. Bye. I I guess I guess I Bye, I guess. Bye, I guess I Konnichiwa, lads. Mushi, mushi. Yes, thank you. Um, so let's get back to X Men Apocalypse. Uh, yes. Which we are talking about the return of Moira McTaggart, in which we find the return of a character that was pointless in the film she was first in, and is pointless in this one as well, and is generally uh, I... boring. I like that they acknowledge that she exists after a film where she didn't exist. It's kind of like, okay, this feels like she's less pointless then if they're going to kind mm. of work her back into the films a bit. I think I, I like how it plays into the whole part of uh, Charles's sort of general mental torment and guilt over things mm. he's done and, and all that. It took me a while on the rewatch to realise it was even Rose yeah. Byrne again because I did that thing where I was like, "Oh, what's she been in?" When I was when she <laughs> appeared in the pyramid, and, and I was only like days apart, and I was like, "Oh, it's that. Is it that one from that film that I just watched mm-hmm. the other day?" Yeah, 
Yeah, it's just something very forgettable about it. I don't know, I just can't retain Rose Byrne knowledge for Mm. some reason. I think there's a very good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we also have um, a fair few newcomers. Jean Grey. Yeah, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Uh, Very bland. Yeah, well, they're building the whole sequel around her now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't like that character. Mm. And I've seen two actors fail to... (laughs) <laughs> bring any spark and life to it now. So um my theory on Sophie Turner is that she's gonna do what I like to call an Orlando Bloom. Two big roles and then disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't mm. like her in this and I'm really worried about what the next film's gonna be. Mm. But uh more on that in a in a bit. Um so we also have uh Ty Sheridan as the young Scott Summers Cyclops. Yeah, that I'm mm. alright with. Yeah, now, he was well, fine. I don't know. I, I, not, it certainly wasn't a bland actor, but did you get the impression that he was a bit of a dick? Yeah, <laughs> but that's Cyclops, isn't it? That's what he's established as in the first three films. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was the character or just him. Sort of just came across. I don't know if he's meant to be, but I think it's very in keeping with how he. I thought he was a bit of a cock in the first three films. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a the scene where we they meet. It's kind of a. In a film world, and you just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that happened. It's a little mm. thing, but if you actually think about it anyway, it was ridiculous because basically what happens is he's got a blindfold on because his laser eyes are going to kill everyone, so he's got his eyes shut, and his brother's trying to lead him in, and and she bumps into him, and then she quite kind of huffily goes, "You want to look where you're going?" To a, to a blind man. <laughs> if you plumped into a blind man, even if it wasn't your fault and he, he'd stumbled into you, would you yeah. would you be that nasty? If you bumped into anyone under any circumstances, would you ever be that kind of confrontational about it? Well, bear in mind they're American. We're British. <laughs> I just think she that doesn't make her seem like a nice person, does it? No. <laughs> Which I know is the whole point, is that they're in conflict at first and then they kind of get to know each other a bit and they're like, ooh. Yeah, it's a classic rom-com trope, isn't well, it? Well, that's it. I think it plays as a classic rom-com thing, but in the same wow. way that it just doesn't translate to real life. Yeah, in the same way that it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't I don't really like their interaction or dynamic. And We get a young Storm. Yes. Yeah. Who we find in a bit of a different circumstance. She's initially recruited by the villain. Yeah. I, I mean, is this set in the same continuity with the original films whereby this, you know, she used to live in Egypt? Presumably, yes. I guess it mm-hmm. works. Um, yeah. We don't know where she's from. She just lost the really. accent. She lost it between the first and second film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's she's like a street rat in Egypt yeah. um, who speaks perfect English. But again, in a sort of very film reality way, she sort of steals an apple or whatever the fuck she steals and then gives it to some yeah, orphans. Um, <laughs> I was going to say they forgot the scene where she gives it to the hungry children. <laughs> yeah, so she's just give hungry Because that's what because she's a villain in this one. They were allowed to be a bit oh, yeah, darker with yeah, it. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. you know the guy catches her and immediately goes, "Well, you know what we do to thieves? Pick a hand." And it's like <laughs> I don't know if that's. How it works, I think it's just... No, but it was, very... it was the 80s. I know, but <laughs> how fucking well, backwards it. do you think Egypt is? Like, well, She is black. They play it like it's the 1880s. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it is, yeah, quite a primitive view of... I don't know uh, if well, that whole yeah. chopping the hand off thing, I'm not even sure how true that is at all. But certainly I imagine there was some sort of due process involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we also have a return of Nightcrawler. 
Cody yeah. Smith McPhee. Yeah, with mm. some skinny, Who I like. skinny guy in there. Yeah, they, they make a bit more of him. I think it works as a younger character as well. Mm. Um, yes, it does. Yeah, sort of everything about that character. Exactly. It just it makes more sense when you see him this age. And then sort of the major other cast member is Oscar Isaac as the uh, big bad. Yeah. Mm. Doing a kind of Papa Lazarou. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big god. That was kind of Marlon Brando. <laughs> Do you think he's doing a kind of I'm apocalypse? I'm from ancient Egypt, but I learned to speak from absorb your television. <laughs> Very dull <laughs> oh, villain. Wouldn't it have been great if he'd only been able to speak in like sitcom catchphrases? <laughs> like Bumblebee in, in Transformers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just has audio <laughs> clips coming out of his mouth. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of him uh, in this film. I think he's probably the weakest villain of the series. I I really like Oscar Isaac as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. I don't dislike him actively, but it feels like this should have been more than it was. It's something odd about it. It's like it's either miscast, like he's a good performance, but it's not quite right, or the writing isn't right, the character is... Yeah, it has the feeling, and I I don't believe for a second this is what happened, but it feels as though they cast someone else in the role, and then they dropped out like the day before filming, and they were Mm. like, shit, who who can come in to, like, today because we need to start putting the makeup on them now and mm. then they got to like 15th choice down the list it was oscar <laughs> isaac because they're like look he's a good actor but it's just not quite right and mm. i haven't worked on it with him and he, like can it well can he do the can he do an egyptian act no 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 it's fine he'll, just, he'll do he'll just do a silly voice okay i mean the, the thing is though that isn't True, like he was cast well before, like some of the other exactly. uh, new additions, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. I bizarre. remember he was the big, he was the big. Oh, they've cast Oscar Isaac as the villain. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. So it's just, but I, it's, I completely it's agree. It's a weirdly with... half baked performance. Mm. It, it's kind of. Mm. I think he's a bit too cuddly and lovable. Yeah, that's what everybody. About lo- I'm a god. <laughs> I I feel like this film is supposed to be Magneto's story, and and that's the yeah. sort of big arc that we follow through. But it, but he gets kind of forgotten. Yeah. Once he joins the bad guys, until the very end when he goes good again. It's also an arc we've seen him yeah. follow in like every film so far. I also yeah. I just hated everything they did with him. Like first of all, we establish him that he's like run off to the woods, and yeah, the the problem is. It doesn't mm. fit with anything that we know we've seen of Magneto yeah. either in the film immediately preceding this mm. or yeah. in anything of the older Magneto that we know of. And it's just immediately going, look, here's these characters for him to love so that he yeah. they can die and he can yeah. and he exactly. can learn to hate again. Yeah. And it's like we, we left him at the end of last film hating everyone, didn't we? We don't need him to like have gone good and then go evil again. Isn't this what they did with one of the Wolverine films, basically? You know, they kill his wife. And oh, yeah. 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 I think that like was Origins. Wasn't goes it? and lives yeah. in the Canadian woods or whatever. So it's like... It, it and felt... it's annoying because I, I, like I like his daughter. I like the power they give her. She's a mutant. She she can mm. control animals or something. <laughs> um, I want to see, see that. I want to see animals, like... 
apocalypse has come in and then like a crocodile bites his leg and he's like ah crocodile what is this <laughs> i think that the the reason that's there as well is to give some weight to the fact that we learn later on that quicksilver is uh magneto's oh, yeah. son yeah that's another um, thing i didn't really which, need but yeah yeah which is really well, weird and i know i think that's the thing in the comics but it comes uh, out of nowhere and it goes yeah. nowhere and it has a middle bit that is nowhere. So I don't know what that was. I don't know why it was. I don't know what it was supposed to be adding. You ever gonna? Really? You ever gonna I didn't. I didn't mind the little like hint at it, which I think you get in Days of Future Past, don't you? Isn't yes. it like an implication of yeah. it? I'm if all right with a that. Little, there's, there's a little bit where like he says something about where he comes from, or I think it's that, and then yeah, and he's like, "Oh, like, I was there how many years yeah. ago." Oh, yeah. Uh, like, oh, I'm all okay. right with that. What I don't need is, you ever going to tell him he's your dad? Uh, mm. Maybe, I don't know. Well, uh, what's the point? Mm. Like, oh, God, really just... weird, really weird, that. And also, that, that also firmly establishes that every child he has is a mutant with, like, <laughs> significant mutant powers. Mm. It's it's like, right, so there's, you can breed really powerful mutants. Nice. Mm. Which, which would make sense if, like, they had the same powers as him. Because that's how mutation works, but yeah. it doesn't really make sense that like, oh look, you you have really fucking powerful mutant kids, but like that one talks to animals, mm. that one's really fast, you you can control metal, that one can mm. turn wine into custard. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I, I can only assume that Quicksilver was such a popular character in the previous one that they wanted to bring him back here oh, and they yeah. wanted to give him a story with some emotional weight. They pretty much just do the same scene again. That scene with him from the previous film was so popular. They were like, "Let's yeah. do that again." <laughs> but exactly just the same. Exactly dreams yeah, yeah. are made of this. Yeah, and, and is... I, you know, give him credit; it's even better in this film. Like, it, it is just a complete oh, yeah. rehash, but it's fucking good. It's like I uh, love the song, even though it has nothing to do with yeah. the, anything. But that's know? it; it's a better song. <laughs> it's just mm. as as like crowbarred into the plot as it is. It's great. I love it. Mm. Yeah, it just felt contrived. He just turns up at the exact second there's an explosion about to happen and somehow knows that the place is, like, about to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, uh, just looking at my notes, we missed this, but we're, we're, we're introduced to Nightcrawler in a cage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a reason I missed why you can't just teleport out of the cage? It's something to do with the electric things, but it's not explained, because I thought the same yeah, thing. Yeah, because I, I couldn't quite tell if he can't pass through... A barrier of electricity. There was almost an implication of that. Like he tried to teleport out of the cage and just got well, like zapped into exactly, it. Exactly. Or... Yeah. And they they say it later on. He says something later on. He says like when they're trapped in the van and they can't get out of that. And he says mm. like, oh, there's electric current around. It is just like Berlin. Um, so I assume <laughs> that's basically what it means. Um, but yeah, it's not explained, is it? It's not really. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of that where they have to just go, okay, well, we need some way to not be able to use their powers, otherwise it's too easy. Yeah. 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 I I noted that by the end, it just turned into like a big long fight. It got very boring at the end. Yeah. But yeah, that, 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 there are nice moments of action, I think. But yeah. I, I, it does just get a bit muddy and uh, don't really care. And, and then basically they save the day because uh, uh, Professor X goes... Jean Grey, um, do do magic really hard now. Do it really hard. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, right. Yeah. And just kills everyone. Hate Jean Grey. 
<laughs> but you know what? I, I sound like I'm being quite scathing about this film. But I do I, I don't dislike this film. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I say it, it passed by, but for me that was much like the other films we've just watched. I it wasn't a lot of different and I was definitely suffering from fatigue of the X Men by this point. It's too long, this film, as well. Way too long. Mm. Yeah. What did you rate it? Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10, which I think is quite generous, really. But Same from me. Yeah, 7. Mm. I gave it a 6. Okay. That's probably more than it deserves, really, from the three of us. But yeah. Fine. But, you know, overall, yeah. that's not a bad franchise, is it? That's pretty no. good. Like, if oh, Last Stand's as bad as it gets, then that's, like, not the worst film in the world. Mm. That's all right. Yeah, I'm not counting all the spin-offs and things, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah I think so, uh, yeah, that Wolverine Origins is a real <laughs> turkey, but uh, yeah, hmm, okay, cool. So we've got um, Dark Phoenix coming up, mm. not X Men Semicolon Dark Phoenix, just Dark Phoenix, which is strange because they they are sort of touting this as the last in oh, this man. current. The marketing timeline. on this film is very fr- just very annoying. Yeah. That like Avengers Endgame was huge, obviously. And mm. so then all the marketing on this shifted gear into the culmination of the finale of the huge X-Men cinematic universe. It's the Avengers Endgame of X-Men. No, it's not. No. From from all the like available material, it, it really does just look like they've remade X-Men The Last Stand. Seems that way. I think it's a more faithful adaptation. Like they actually go into space and stuff. Um yeah, but it does look like that's... The trailer looks like it's probably going to fall into that apocalypse territory of being messy mm. but enjoyable yeah. for me. But mm. there's so many red flags here that I would not be surprised if this is a train wreck. There were some pretty significant reshoots, Yeah, it's apparently. been delayed about five times. <laughs> this yeah. was meant to come out late. Fuck knows how long ago it was. A... It was last year, wasn't it? Like I feel like it was like November last year was the time. Yeah, was yeah, and then they delayed it scheduled. to like the start of this year, and then mm. June, I think, which is like it's now coming out. Uh, mm. Simon Kinberg is directing it. He has never directed a film as in in his entire life before, <laughs> uh, but he has he is... written several of these films. Yeah, he's the writer on a number of. And uh, we all know that those two films. skills are completely interchangeable. <laughs> I was just saying that he he knows the universe well, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Jennifer Lawrence is in the trailer, and I think she sets the tone for <laughs> just, uh, just the worst makeup job. Yeah. They oh, say, did they not just not bother with it? Could you just <laughs> is it a CG makeup? Well, not only is she killed off like in the trailer, which is an interesting. Spoiler to give away up front that they kill her off right there. So she obviously just doesn't want to do any of these films anymore. Mm. But have you seen the makeup job, Alan? Yeah, yeah. Didn't look like Mystique anyway. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it looked like someone getting dressed up as Mystique for Halloween. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. Actually, <laughs> that's yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah, I guess they just want her face more identifiable as her. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. She probably just can't be bothered with it. The wig is appalling. Um, yeah. Uh, to me, the whole film has just this sort of, I don't know, apologetic yeah. feeling to it, especially now exactly. that the rights have gone to, you know, back to well, Marvel that's, and that's everything. that's another big element, is that this yeah. is almost certainly going to be the last mainline X-Men film. 
it seems to be dying with a whimper. That's the sad thing. And I, I really hope mm. I'm wrong. But yeah, I mean, it, it, so Fox has been bought out by Disney. That means Disney now owns all of Fox's intellectual property. That means that Marvel have been handed back the rights to X-Men that they sold to Fox however many years ago to make movies, along with the Fantastic Four. And that means that Phase 5 of Marvel will almost certainly relaunch the X-Men and or the Fantastic Four. And how they approach that, I don't know. I I think it's going to be a hard reboot. Mm. A lot lot of people seem unwilling to accept that and... There is no way they're going to accept... Because like like we say, their continuity is very tightly managed and looked mm. after and curated. Mm. And I don't think they're going to accept the mess of the timeline of these <laughs> films into their universe. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's the thing. When people always used to want them to like work out the rights to get Wolverine to do a cameo in like the Avengers and stuff, which was a big thing online... Um, and ultimately, you know, they, they figured it out with Spider-Man. I was never into mm. the idea because it was like... Well, I don't want Hugh Jackman's Wolverine to pop up in those films because it because nothing that's happened in those films gels with the backstory of these films. And hmm. but there there is a theory now that um, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the new Spider-Man film, but uh, the events of Endgame appear to have ripped a hole in the fabric of space and time. <sighs> Basically, it seems like they're introducing the. Um, the multiverse from the comics, which I'm sure I've spoken about before, which is just, you know, you follow a mainstream universe for most of the comics, Earth 616, I believe. Mm. And, uh, you know, they want to do, like, anime Fantastic Four. Well, that's set in the anime universe. They want to do Batman Noir. Not Batman. uh, Spider-Man Noir. There you go. That's a thing. And that's, Mm. you know, that's what Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was born out of. And... It's got a long history in the comics. It seems like they're introducing that into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there's a theory now that basically they can just fold this X-Men universe into the Marvel Cinematic Universe by saying, well, it's a different universe and we've opened up a portal and all the characters are going to kind of... But they don't want the same characters. But that's it. All the I, same that, actors. Like doing a yeah, doing a hard reboot means you've got all those characters, you can start again. It's... Well, the, you know what the one problem here is Deadpool because I think they mm. do want I don't think they want to reset Deadpool yet I don't think you want Deadpool in that world like as part of that world because he works as a I meta they, character I think and... they do I think that would be one of the few elements that they can't really add to the Marvel Cinematic Universe from other sources that X-Men would bring is Deadpool mm. I mean I would I would do X-Men Babies um, <laughs> just them, um, they're all babies. So, so hang on, they're they're how old are they in first class? So, we, so what we said it in like the thirties so, and forties. So for them to yeah, it would have to be set yeah X Men babies set in the thirties or the twenties. Oh but, great, it can be like the little rascals, but just played by the same actors because they don't they apparently don't age like normal <laughs> humans. So it's just James McAvoy in like a in a nappy. What about this one? I've got a great idea. Uh, X puppies. <laughs> it's the same thing, but they're all puppies. You know that you know they're making officially. I think we joked about this a number of times, but it is now officially happening. Some like DC pets movie. Really? <laughs> it's just been delayed to like 2021 or something. But they're making a like a Batman super crypto the super dog and Bat Dog and all these other like pets of the superheroes film. I think it might be animated. 
so it's not like part of their DC universe, which I think is a damn shame. I would love to see a <laughs> film about these pets set in the Snyderverse. Hmm. So this has ended up being one of our longest episodes of recent times, and it's it's only half of the <sighs> two part of thing we did. A lot so. to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. So I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay, so that is the X-Men universe put to bed uh, for now. Forever. We'll, we will look at Dark Phoenix uh, when it's out. We'll do Diminisode on the Pat. Yes, on. we'll do a Diminisode. You can find it on the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dim Returns. Just $1 a month to get access to all the bonus content. Yeah. Calvin, thank you for joining us again. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And we will be back next week to deal with something a little bit more tongue-in-cheek uh, with Men in Black. Another trilogy that we're going to deal with. Another Marvel comic book property. Yes, we'll discuss that more next week, I'm sure, because I want to ask about that, because I don't know. Okay, so, thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Excelsior. (laughs) 